0: Hi there, I'm Casey Smith and you're listening to Shoulder Charge, a rugby league podcast. On the show this week, I'm joined by James Ford, who's the head coach of York City Knights. Now the club had just secured their spot at Wembley in the 1895 Cup final after they beat Swinton Lions 36 points to 22. But in the league, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. After eight results, they've won four and lost four. Now, York are among the favourites to achieve a Super League spot come the end of the season. So with that in mind, I started off by asking him how he felt the club had performed so far. Oh, and just so you're aware, the interview were done last week, so before the Swinton result.
1: I would, I would say mixed, You know, obviously, in terms of playing teams in our competition, you know, we've won six out of ten in the league. We've won four out of four out of eight. So, uh, you know we've lost to Faversham by the skin of our teeth, and, and you know we lost to Sheffield by a very fine margin. Uh, so things things could be could be different, but they're not. Uh, and we we all are in agreement that we, we can improve and we need to improve and we want to improve. And uh, but we're working really hard at improving and. Uh, Hopefully we can. Well, I'm confident we'll see a, a more cohesive, fluent you New know, York side. You know,
0: just around the corner. And uh, this season, your four losses have come against Bradford, to lose Sheffield, Featherstone, all playoff-contending sides. Is is that a concern for you? You know, you, your aim is the playoffs this year, and potentially yeah, trying to like, get in Super League.
1: It's, it's certainly not a positive. You know. I think the game against Everson could have gone either way. Obviously, they won the game as we were setting up for a drop goal. And it's, it's, it's really a disappointing way to, to lose. You're, the drop goal being charged down and all oh, they going, going the length to, to score the winning try. So, and obviously, the Sheffield game was such a unique set of circumstances. You know, obviously, we were down to I think 14 players and then 13 players for such a long period. Uh, but, great. British Sheffield, I thought they played really well, and on the weekend, I thought Bradford played really well. Uh, and, and again, we were mixed, we did some things that were, that were fairly good and some stuff that just really, really hurt us and not Bradford up. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're aiming to get better, I'm confident we'll get better, and uh, you know, we're going to keep persevering and working hard, and I'm sure we will do.
0: So um, in games when you, your team is being like ill-disciplined, dropping the ball and things, like, like as a coach, uh, is how do you like rectify those errors in training? What do you do? Uh,
1: what we're doing at the minute is obviously working a lot on skill, uh, a lot of skill under pressure, and, and just and just going through, uh, you know. The, the, the jobs of the players. So if it's, if it's a play-five error, just making sure we spend a lot of time on play-fives and transitions or uh, making sure we spend a lot of time on execution skill. But it's also mental thing as well. They're looking at looking it on video, talking about the impact of it and the importance of it and what we need to do what comes after the error. So, if, if, so, for example, against Bradford, I think there's was a period in the game where we uh, gave a penalty away on play-five where we were try to score an opportunity and then uh, we backed that up with a play five penalty against us and then i think we spilled the ball uh, we gave a forward pass and then kieran Dixon made an 80 meter break and, and lost the ball so there's a there's a collection of errors and penalties all all together we just need to be a little bit stronger on on the back of it but when, when we've made one or two we need to re- realize it and uh recognize and just just rein it in a little bit and, and manage our way through that
0: that, that was a good match. Yeah, uh, and when you've been a player, obviously, uh, when you're in the game and those errors are coming and they keep coming, you know, what what why does that happen? Is it like a desperation or is it a lack of concentration? What what what, what why do you think it happens? You know, skilled players obviously they're better than the errors, but then you know, even the best players make errors. It you know.
1: Yeah, I think I think look, well, I think there's some expectation on us. I think that there's some expectation within the group, uh, and I think when things probably aren't going quite to plan, there's probably, possibly potentially a little bit of lack of composure, uh, and I just think yeah, we we need to own our errors and be accountable uh, and, and manage what comes after it and work on it in training to to reduce them. Ultimately, in sport, errors do errors 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 do happen, uh, and we need to be better at responding to things when it doesn't go to plan. And that starts that starts with, uh, you know, the composure and leadership out of there.
0: Yeah. Uh, and the Bradford pitch, what was it like playing on that tiny pitch?
1: Yeah, well, I, I probably said a lot about the field. Yeah. And uh, I stand by what
0: I've said. Yeah. You know, it, well, it was disappointing, but... Uh, it was the same for both sides, and we didn't lose the game because the pitch
1: was smaller than, than minimum uh, specifications or smaller than what we, we were informed it was going to be. Uh, we lost the game because Bradford played better than us.
0: When when did you find out what the size actually was on the day?
1: Uh, well, we were informed it was a certain size in, at the start of the week, and right. then uh, it just didn't look that size to me, <laughs> yeah. so... We checked it, and it, it, it wasn't the size that it was assured it was going to be, okay. which is against points in, but a second ago, we didn't lose a game based on the field, we lost the game, because just played better than us, and we were untied in a couple of areas, uh, you know, you know, congratulations to the Bulls, you know, I hope they enjoyed yeah. the win.
0: And how big, you mentioned injuries, how big a role have they played in these early eight games?
1: Uh, that's a really that's a really good question because we have a we have a no excuses policy. Yeah. You know, we, we, we never blame injuries. We never blame decisions that have gone against us because I just don't think that helps. If, I, if 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 I come out and blame injuries after the game for us for us losing or the uh, change chopping a change to a side, then I've already done my review. I've not played. We've lost because of injuries, not because of with. with We've not kicked well enough, or we've, we've given away these penalties for these reasons. Uh, but what I will say, you know, I've been a head coach now, I think six or seven years. It's, this has been a really challenging period for me. You know, I've, I've never had to, I've never had to deal with you know thirteen injuries before. I've never had to deal with just, just the amount of chopping and changing to such a real significant positions before. Uh, so I'm learning through this period. Uh, I feel I feel you get stronger through through being challenged. So yeah, I'll be stronger. I feel we're coming through it. I think there's some positive signs despite despite losing to Bradford, uh, and I think the team will be stronger for it. You ultimately, it's it's about how you as as we learned in 2019, it's about how you finish,
0: yeah, uh, as, as to how you start. So but we know we've got to
1: improve. Right, we're not deluded we know, uh, we know we, and we know we can improve and we're working really hard at it and uh, we confident we'll get to where we need to get
0: And in terms of injuries, it, uh, is the what's the squad looking like now? Is there still people out or what, what's the situation?
1: Yeah, yeah there's uh, we picked up a couple on the weekend, you know, Ben Jones-Bishop you know, tweaked his grind had to leave the fields uh, you know, uh, Jordan Ball's in, picked up concussion uh, and Joe Brendan O'Hagan again tweak his tweak his score, and so there's, there's the potential of, of some of some more changes to the to the side. But uh, it's not going to be the first time we've had to change around. Uh, I think we're all we're all becoming more adaptable.
0: And every year when you assemble a squad and you get them in for training and you know you you see them for the first time, sort of thing. What is like the the first the thing that you want to stamp on the team like straight away what is your philosophy type thing a, t- a team first attitude you know I think I think a, t- a team that that is all on the same page
1: and all contributing to this to the same to the same thing and the same philosophy is a really powerful team and I think when we've I, I do think that's been potentially a minor issue for us we've had quite a Quite a few players coming in and going out. Because of there is we probably have had a, a mix of philosophies in there, and uh, I think, yeah, I think for me, putting the team above above Europe, team's uh, team successes above an individual successes is, is probably the most important quality that you can that you can have in a team.
0: And um, what is like the hardest thing about your job? Uh, er, this, <laughs> this is quite a few, to be honest, the thing that I think is the most important and I think what I find the most difficult, but I, as I said, it's
1: certainly, certainly the most important is you're speaking to the players who aren't playing yeah. on a team run, so you can only play 17 and you can only have 21 in your squad, and it's sitting down with the, the individuals who are playing and uh, explaining to them why not. and. Giving them a route back to the team if, they, if if they do X and Y better, and this training exactly we do it, and, and then and then being willing to listen to them and listen, to you, uh, it, it's it's really difficult. It's it's an emotionally draining part of the of the week, but I feel it's, as I said before, I feel it's the most the most important part or one of the most important parts in terms of managing your, managing your squad, uh, and it's something that as a player, I witnessed
0: not being done particularly well. And it's something that I always wanted to do much better. Uh, you've added in Mikey Lewis. How have you rated his um, performances so far?
1: Well, Mike has got potential to be a really good player. You know, he's, he's strong through his hips. He's quick. You know, he can some brave plays. Um, and we've used him at fullback in the first couple of games, uh, where he's probably played more more in the halves. Uh, but I think you know against Whitney I thought it was really good. Against all them, I thought it had some really good involvements and against uh, Bradford it was it was difficult. It was difficult for all involved really. Joe uh, you know, for that for, for anybody on the edges. You know, even Bradford, Joe you know, Bruffy came up with a couple of he one or two nice pieces. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, you know, I thought both teams were pretty limited in terms of the execution of shift on the edges. Uh, so it'd be pretty unfair to to, to, to judge him overly on, on that performance but even still those some strong moments from from him
0: uh, and so with the injuries will you be looking at uh, getting in short term players or is that not something that's on your radar uh,
1: well not this week not this week uh, but obviously we are having conversations with with clubs uh, with regards to strengthening the squad I mean ideally you'd want it to be longer, t- longer term than, than two weeks but ultimately you've you, you, you're influenced by by all sides in that in that deal, really. Uh, I, I don't think we're far away from from being a from being a good side. I think we've got some improvements to make, you know, on the training pitch and in some some uh, <coughs> alignments to make within your know, understandings of philosophies and, and uh, roles and responsibilities. But that that's not necessarily meaning about bringing more players in. But if 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 players are out there that we feel will strengthen our team. Then, you know, I think the club's shown that they are willing to support support us in, in, in terms of trying to move forward.
0: James Ford, there. Now, let's get on to all the action from the weekend, and we're going to start with the cup ties. So, in the Challenge Cup final. It's going to be Saints v. Castleford. Now, Castleford, they last made the final in 2014, but they were beaten by Leeds Rhinos. And Saints, for them, it's their second appearance in the in Wembley uh, since 2019, where they, they lost to Warrington, didn't they? And they'll be hoping to win it for the first time since 2008. For Castleford, you've got to go back a bit further than that it'll be their first cup win since 1986 and it'd be a good ending for uh, Daryl Perrell, wouldn't it? Uh, you know, his last season before going to Warrington. But before we get on to the Castleford game, we might as well start with St. Helens and we might as well start with the big talking point that uh, emerged from that game, which was the Theo Fires try. And to be honest, I don't really see why it is a talking point, actually, because You ask any rugby player or anybody who follows the game, would you have scored it? And they would have said, yeah. And why wouldn't you? It's a Challenge Cup (laughs) semi-final. Going to, you know, if you lose out because you didn't put that ball down, you know, come on. And the injury. So Josh Griffin is taking the ball off his own try line. And then he does his Achilles, I think it was but obviously in excruciating pain. So he stops immediately and goes to the ground. And obviously all his focus is on his injury. So he drops the ball, and then Theo Faj is the first to react, and he scores it. So, you know, if Josh Griffin were injured, that would have never happened. However, come on, he's got to make sure that ball goes dead, surely. I'm afraid he left it in play and he paid the price, but I don't think that's why Hull lost really. Y- even though it was quite close towards the end, but you know, for me, there's no issues there. Uh, he's injured. I'm af- I'm afraid that happens in games, you know, and there's refereeing decisions that go against you. But we don't say, well, you know, if we, if we could have just overturned that. It doesn't work like that, does it? The referee doesn't then give a decision to the other team because he knows he got it wrong. It happened and it then the game carries on. And Saints yet again, because it's the second time they've played them. I think they played them last week, didn't they? And, you know, they exposed holds right edge again. They put tries... They got men over on, le- on Saints' left-hand side again. And I'm afraid, you know... Hull didn't really learn the lessons, although, it wasn't, they didn't do it as much as they did the week before, so, you know, perhaps they did shore it up a bit, but there was, they still found the gaps there. Saints, they had more composure, let's be honest, you know, when it were down to a couple of points, and Hull, you know, they were in the ascendancy, they had the momentum, and all they needed was another, you know, try, but they got carried away, didn't they? They were too desperate. They were make, taking risks. Well, they had to take risks, but the the composure sort of went out of the window and they got carried away and they lost, they lost possession, didn't they? And then that's when uh, Saints really extended their advantage, which is why it was 33 points to 18. But I suppose for Hull, you see why they're a different team this year you know, under Lee Radford, would they have got that close? I I don't know. And remember how inconsistent they were. I think one week they were losing 50 points and then the next they were winning by, you know, it was a bit of a shambles last year. And for the quality that they have, they should have been better, really. So, you know, they're a lot more consistent now and they're a lot more uh, defensively sound, even though... There's that problem on the right edge, and I think they might be a dangerous side. Come you know the end of the season and when the playoffs start, if if they're in there, which they should be, really, you know they're gonna give a few sides quite a lot of problems, and they definitely could get to the grand final. Now on to Castleford, they beat Warrington thirty-five points to twenty. Which may be a surprise to some, you know, Castleford were on the end of a, a big beating from Leeds uh, last week and Warrington won by a huge margin against Salford. But it was well, Warrington who was uh, the sluggish team on that game. Uh, might as well start with um, Mike Cooper. I'm sure you've probably, if you saw the match, you've probably seen it. And if you've seen on social media... When uh, Mike Cooper was being taken off for, I can't remember what it was for, but he he went past uh, Steve Price and clearly, delib- you know, there was no uh, mistake about this. I'm confident that he did. He sure, he must have done that on purpose. You know, he he definitely leant towards his own coach and bad him out of the way. And Steve Price was sort of like dumbfounded, to be honest. He didn't really react. You you would imagine he left that for, for the dressing room and not not live on the BBC cameras. But what what does that say about what's going on in the dressing room? Well, we'll we won't know. And you can never read too much into it. He might have just been, you know, pissed off that. he he, he were were taken off or he had not a very good game or whatever, but you know, there's definitely a disrespect towards the coach and whether that was just in the heat of the moment or whether it's something deeper, well only time will tell on that but it's not a good look is it, and especially now, it's the second year in a row where they've been in the semi-finals and they've lost, they won uh, in 2019, which you know, they, they they overcame the odds in 2019, but they've not been able to match anything really since then. And, you know, this game, it was certainly winnable, you know. We mentioned the results last week, and I were back in Warrington all the way. For Castleford, they broke, you know, they broke through the defence quite a few times, and it didn't take much doing really, did it? And, you know, in terms of actually silverware now, uh, one trophy's gone for Warrington, obviously, they've been knocked out. There's the uh, the League Leaders' Shield, which, well, that's up in the air at the moment, really, you know. Teams, there's not really been a standout team, actually. You know, St Helens, so far, I think, you know... They've been winning, but they've not been at the best. I think. I think now they they are moving towards that. Wigan, well, they've not been at the best either. Uh, Catalan Dragons are looking good, but they they've they've won just as many games as Wigan and Saints have. So, you know, it's all up in the air with that one. Uh, and then the grand final. Well, who's going to back Warrington now? In the playoffs, because they have such a bad record. In knockout games, you know, I think, I don't re- I remember uh, whether it were the 2019 um, playoffs or whether it the 2021, but I think it were 2019, yeah, when Salford got to the uh, grand final. And I think Warrington went out with a whimper in them, those playoffs. So, you know, history tells you that they don't really do well. So, is it going to change for the Super League playoffs, you know, if, if they qualify for them? Well, probably not, so is it going to be a write-off again for Warrington? Well, we'll find out in due course. Uh, and into the women's game, St Helens, they lifted the Challenge Cup for the first time and they overcame York City Knights and it were 34 points to 6. Uh, first time that game were played on uh, national TV, I think. Uh, on BBC 2 it was on Saturday at, or some Saturday yeah at BBC 2 at, at, at 11 am and I think that's now the most uh, watched women's game so you know a good milestones being reached in in the women's side but uh, on to the 1895 cup because there were two fixtures there no real shot Feverson. They're in the final, and they'll face York. Now, for Featherstone, I think they were last at Wembley in 1982, albeit it was in the Challenge Cup. Uh, York City Knights, well, under this regime, uh, the club were founded in 2002, they've not actually been uh, to Wembley. But uh, before the other club folded, the other York club, which then subsequently became York City Knights in 2002, they last got to Wembley in 1931. So what's that bloody 90 odd years ago? Uh, And in terms of the York game, well, it were close to start with and Twinton was having a real good go. But, you know they couldn't really keep it up. And for a side that's lost every single game, I think they've played eight games and lost every single one of them. But they, they were battling well Swinton, and to be honest, it was that second half that really killed them off because in the first 10 minutes, they made about four hour errors. And it really cut off any chance because I think they was already losing. And then four hours. well, it it, it sort of cut off any comeback that they might have had. I think for York, the big guys made good metres and give them real good field position. And then, you know, the more technical guys uh, got the points for them. So it was a professional job from York. But in terms of Swinton, you know, the effort's there. Everyone's playing for the coach, I think. And, you know, they might be winless, but if they cut out the errors... Well, they they might have... They were, came close to beating York if they cut their errors out. And if they play like that in the league, well, they're going to pick up points. And the other tie, uh, Featherstone, they overcame witness. That were 24 points to 18. And that was a bit of a crazy game, actually, because after 13 minutes, uh, Featherstone, they were winning 16-0. It was the same old witness that we've seen this season, really, in those uh, 13 minutes anyway, you know, we've seen them capitulate many times and that's, that were creeping in again and I, I was watching it and thinking, well, what on earth is the scoreline going to be? But, you know, despite them being out muscled, despite them having too many gaps in the defence, they actually turned it around it, and it in the first half as well. So, and they had a try ruled out because of a forward pass. And when we got to the final few minutes, it was neck and neck. And they had quite a few chances, actually, to bring the scores level. But Featherstone were let off the hook. The theme, there's there's still a theme with uh, witness, you know. They go missing at certain points of the game. I'm afraid they're going to have to sort that out because when they do sort that out, they're going to be of good side. You know, they've got some terrific kickers in that team and they showed against Featherstone, you know, they can match them sides, improve on that and they're a force to be reckoned with in the Championship. Into Super League, the only match there was Wakefield uh, v Lee and Wakefield won 30 points to 20. Another loss for Lee, I think it's nine losses now under the new coach, uh, if you were Derek Beaumont, uh after the game, he said he's not been inundated with because obviously John Duffy has has left now. He, he was sacked, so he said we've not been on un- inundated with job offers. He I think he he said he only had three applications for the for the job, so you know was uh, getting rid of John Duffy actually gonna do any good because <laughs> no it seems nobody wants to coach Lee actually and he said he, he didn't mention the people who um applied for that but he said he basically said I'm gonna stick with the the guy uh, in temporary charge and, and see how he goes so uh, whoever applied mustn't have been up to it but it it just seems a a a more silly decision really but you know what could what could John Duffy do really you know last season it was uh, everyone putting the bid in to get into super league because obviously the the championship were cancelled because of coronavirus but someone still had to replace Toronto but um You know, I think the teams who actually missed out on Super League, York, Featherstone, uh, Toulouse, I think they'll be thinking, it's a good job we didn't go up now because it was at such short notice, they didn't have any time to prepare. Teams had already done recruitment and then they were sort of picking up scraps of what were left over, really. So when you've already got a team who is on less quality than everybody else, then you're adding in... The players that nobody else wants, you know, you're always going to be down at the bottom, aren't you? So, what could he have done? And obviously, those teams who missed out on it, they've got a genuine chance of going up this year. So, they've they've spent this year recruiting for that, and then if they are confirmed going up, then they've got a whole, you know, period where to strengthen as well. But Lee, as usual, they, they battled and they, they were the better team in the first half. But at half-time, Wakefield were winning. And it, to be honest, Wakefield didn't have many points until the last couple of minutes when they t- put in two tries in, the, you know, in a short space of time. And that's what happens. Wakefield can not be at it for most of the game and yet they can still win. That's the margins for for Lee that they've got to overcome, and Joe Westerman had a good game for Wakefield, and it would it was a case of too much quality, really. So you know, I I can't really at this stage, I can't see Lee not going down uh, into the championship. I think there were two games there. Halifax beat Sheffield forty six points to twelve. Um, another loss for Sheffield Eagles. I think that's six games now that they've not won in. Now, I mentioned last week about Sheffield's upcoming games that they're gonna gonna be pick, gonna need to pick up points. Well, that becomes even more emphasized now because six games without a win. And, you know, if you want to be looking towards the top of the table, or at least the playoffs, you know start picking up points because gaps are going to emerge they've got oldham and then witness they've got to win both of those i think to be honest if they want to do anything this year halifax they're going steady they've won four lost four same as york uh, to be honest you know looking at it's pretty tight uh, below uh, to lose and featherstone there's not much to separate quite a few teams and i think come the end of the season, there's going to be a couple of good teams that are going to miss out on the playoffs that, you know, should have been in, really. Uh, Bradford, another win for Bradford. i lost count how many now? It must be seven or eight. Uh, 31 points to 12, they beat Newcastle. And it's the fourth time, actually, now. They've actually scored 30 points or over, so... You know when they're winning, they're winning well. Uh, Four straight loss for Newcastle, and that one win. I think they've got just one win, and that came against Sheffield. Uh, next week, that's a big game. They're facing Swinton, so Swinton who are winless but showing good signs against Newcastle, who are desperate as well because they're just they're in the relegation zone at the moment, so they need to win. Uh, after that. Newcastle they've got Oldham so another important game and Oldham really you know they started off all right and they got a surprise win against Halifax you know Uh, they they beat Swinton as well and you know if they want to not fall into the relegation zone you know some of their games are, are important. into League One Workington beat Keefley, that were 34 points to 20. So, Workington are back to winning ways. You'd imagine they're, you know, one of the favourites for the playoffs uh, and going up to the championship at come the end of the season. North Wales Crusaders, they got back to winning ways. They beat Coventry, who did that good win against Rochdale last week. Rob Massam, he got a hat-trick. To be honest, um, North Wales could have had more points, but they missed three conversions. So a convincing win there. At Doncaster, they continue in their good form because they beat London Scholars 46 points to 12. <laughs> to be honest, that was actually ha- at level at half-time according to the BBC um, match report. So a big second half from Doncaster. And the shock of the round is Hunslet, who beat Rochdale. They It was 36 points to 22. And for me, Rochdale, they're going for a bad spell, really. They, they got relegated back in 2019. They've obviously not played League One for a while. But, you know, they've not been good all season. And to be honest, there's a couple of teams better, well. Workington are better than them at the moment. Doncaster are better than them. And Barrow are better than them. So, you know, Rochdale, they've got ambitions of getting back into the Championship and doing, being you know a more solid team in the Championship. But they, they're not going to do it any time soon if they carry on what they're doing now. Because they've not been at the best all season. And I thought they'd be doing better, actually. I thought they'd be winning most games. And it's a pretty poor losing to Hunslet. They only had one win. And I think, was that against West Wales, I think? And in Hunslet's last two games, they've only scored six points. So Rochdale, they need to be winning. I don't know what's up with them. Uh, On to Barrow. Another win for Barrow. You know, still unbeaten. Are they going to go the whole season? We'll be finding out. Uh, Another convincing win. 60 points to 10 against West Wales. They're going to have to take some stopping Barrow, I think. If anybody else wants the top spot, I think uh, first place goes up automatically and Barrow are looking dead certs for that. You know, they're averaging 42 points a game. But that was all the action from the week in Rugby League. And that's it for shoulder charge this week. In terms of next week's show, Uh, you've probably seen the RFL's decision to reinstate the elite academy status, elite academy licence, for Bradford, for OKR, and for Castleford. I think they've been given two extra years on the licence, actually. But what happens after that is anybody's guess. And it's a win for those clubs, but, you know, it's still uncertain, really, isn't it? Uh, So I'm hoping to get somebody on from the community game in and around those areas you know to get their perspective because we were told as part of the reason why you know there they, they was undertaking a review and a part of the reason why they wanted to reduce the uh, academies was because teams were taking all the talent from the community clubs and you know the community clubs were left with you know not much so is that the feeling? We'll we'll be finding out. And also there's the issue of participation as well and pathways, you know. I remember an earlier episode, one of the earlier ones, speaking to uh, Paul Scanlon-Wells of Rochdale-Mayfield saying, you know, they've lost 50, 50 kids because of uh, coronavirus. So participation was already, you know, not, not where it should be. So with COVID as well, what you know, what what's gonna happen? How are they gonna get more people to, you know, participate? Get more players in, increase the player pool. That's what we're gonna discuss. And there's a lot more. You know, there's all sorts going on. So that's gonna be the focus for next week. So do join me for that. See you then.